Chris Wendelkin, and this is On The Line, my podcast where I call friends of mine living around the country to talk all things NBA draft, uh, the offseason, trades, free agency, which players are moving where, LeBron. Thanks for tuning in. If you're new to the show, you can always tweet at me at OnTheLine underscore pod. I'm on Instagram. Uh, you can email me if you have any questions. You want to drop me a line, tell me you like the show at OnTheLinePod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you could please rate review and subscribe to the show on itunes wherever you get podcasts obviously people are looking for new nba content it's much 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 appreciated thanks for all the support all right welcome back thanks for tuning in i hope everyone's having a good cool summer it's oppressively hot and humid here in new york city i have quarantined myself in the air conditioning and i am passing the time watching old nba player highlight reels and old nba playoff games so yeah that's how i'm passing time in uh, early august here in new york city i hope everyone's doing well um i want to try something new today on the pod since it's the off season i thought it'd be fun to skip down memory lane a little bit with some of my more fun childhood nba memories specifically the 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 teams and the players and the stories from my youth, the the stories that really got me hooked on the league. And um, my hope is to do one podcast like this for every team in the league. So just be patient, but it'll be something that stretches into the year. Um, but I wanted to begin today with one of my best friends, Billy Scafuri, whose personal MO, when I think of Billy, is just having as much fun as possible. And uh, when I think of great, entertaining NBA teams from my childhood, the 94-95 Charlotte Hornets are right up there with with one of the most fun, entertaining teams. So Billy and I are going to talk all things Larry Johnson, Grandmama, Muggsy Bogues, Alonzo Mourning, how he eventually got traded from the Hornets to Pat Riley's Miami Heat, Del Curry, Hugo the Hornet, the mascot, the color teal. We're going to cover it all. So uh, here is a nice old fun deep dive with the one, the only, Billy Skibiri. CW. On the line. I assume he's already been to the gym today, polished off of a few thousand calories and protein shakes. Billy Skibiri, what's going on? What's happening, big dog? Chest and tries. Four breaded chicken cutlets so far. Wow. Chest and tries, four breaded chicken cutlets already. Uh, pr- pr- proud of you. And so, chest and tries, were you alone this morning or, or Amir comes for that? Uh, Amir could not come. Yeah. He was filming something okay. TBD. Okay, great. So, we're flying solo this morning, chest and tries. Yep. Headphones in. Great. Love it. How you feeling? What's good? Everything's good. Everything's good. Doing some travel, but that's probably not interesting to your listeners. Right. But that's what my life has been recently. Okay, so we're getting Went ready. To Vegas. Getting ready to go to Mexico tomorrow? Going to Mexico tomorrow. Got back from Vegas a couple days ago. Fantastic. Nice time in Vegas? Nice time in Vegas. Very, very nice time. Okay, good. So we are talking today, Bill, about the the Charlotte Hornets, the 1994-1995 Charlotte Hornets. The Hornets are one, this specific team is, for me, one of the most fun teams of our childhood. And I started thinking about, you know, I, I, I want to do some podcasts here in the off season, sort of uh, tripping down memory lane a little bit. Like, what were the, some of the fun teams of our, of our youth? And when I think about the Hornets, that team, all the characters, the personalities, the colors, the logos, we have a giant teal Hornet. And I think of, of my friends, Billy, you are, you know, you are the friend of mine that wants to maximize fun. You want to be having fun at all times. So 
you and the Hornets just seem like a, a natural intersection here. So thank you so much for uh, for hopping on the pod. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I really appreciate the kind words. <laughs> All right, so <clears throat> let's do just a quick backstory on this team, and then we'll we'll hop into some of the uh, specifics here. But basically, so the Hornets were a, an expansion team. They have an expansion draft in 1988. They sort of toil around uh, their first draft pick is Rex Chapman. And, uh, you know, they, they basically acquire a series of journeyman players. They, they get Muggsy Bogues, who wasn't doing much for the Washington Bullets. Um, and they sort of just sort of, uh, you know, they, they struggle. And Del the Curry, perhaps? Do they also Del grab Curry? Curry? They had Del they Curry. Del Curry in the expansion That's draft correct. as well? That's correct. Can I ask, is that the only expansion draft in the NBA's history? Have, is there a... Is there a precursor? I, no, I mean, uh, but you mean before before the Hornets draft? It's um, just a fascinating thing. Yeah, I like, don't know. All NBA players go through one draft in their right, lives. Right, But a few <laughs> suddenly like had to go through this other draft where everyone was if, like, yeah. oh, they haven't like retained me, so I might get picked, which yeah. is like I'm a 34-year-old military draft. Yeah, it's like I'm a 34-year-old draft pick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, I don't know. That just kind of happened. I know, know there I mean? have been other. Ex- I remember other expansion drafts in our childhood, but like in baseball, I remember the Colorado Rockies and the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. They definitely had expansion drafts, and I remember and the Las Vegas Knights. Did the Las Vegas Knights? They must, yes. Are they even? They must have, right? Yes. I mean, they just, and uh, they just I, came out of nowhere. I'm not a big hockey fan, but I remember the deal with the the Vegas Knights was, from what I understood uh, from a hockey fan friend of mine, was that. You know, they made the Stanley Cup Finals this year with a team large, largely comprised of guys who were like not wanted by their teams. So um, interesting. Yeah, super interesting. So the, the the Hornets sort of struggle the first few years of existence. They have the number one overall pick in 1991-92, and they draft Larry Johnson, LJ, LJ number one overall. And um, UNLV. UNLV, and he's a stud. He's an absolute stud. Um, Amazing. Yeah, just, one of the most fun players. Like, I feel like he kind of, to me, the Hornets represent such a like a like a. Of course, we were kids then, so we yeah. like watched the NBA with like an even different, like more magical eye. But yeah. it was also like there were so many fun things happening at this time. Like for yes. me, at least, like like um, Sports Illustrated for kids was doing yep. a great job of like highlighting these cool new teams with these cool new colors and i mean like yeah NBA dude, even just stuff with ahmad rashad the branders were you, like yeah it, yeah the nba was like and i don't know if this is david stern it might be but like they definitely were like transitioning into like a an even more colorful playful era and that's like by way of the jerseys but also Shaq goes to the magic totally. and morning goes to you know it's like yes everything like the whole nba is changing and these two teams are so good at it but lj is also another one of these players that is like he, he could dunk like few could dunk. He brought like this new energy. And so yeah. it was like so cool that it's like, okay, he's going to be the tentpole for the Charlotte Hornets for a minute. All right. Know? So let's, let, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about LJ. Then we'll break down some of these other seasons. But while we're on the topic of Larry Johnson, let's just talk about him first just on the court stuff. I mean, yeah. for me, the thing, anything that comes to mind with you, just, you know, like shoot from the hip here. But for me, it's like, I think of his physique on the court stuff. Uh, the guy looks like a linebacker with hops like Sean Kemp. You know what I mean? I mean, this is a compliment. He looks like a teenage mutant ninja turtle. Oh my god! Like he does not look like a human being. Uh, he looks like a. He, he was just this new jacked player. It was Incredible. like it was as if like we were seeing this new. 
this youth movement where like, oh, yeah. guys are going to be cut now. Yeah. You know, like he was yeah. coming into a league where there was Robert Parrish's, like we were talking yeah. about, yeah, Kurt yeah, Rambis yeah. off the phone. Yeah. And like these players where it was like, I'm tall and skilled and I understand the footwork required to play in a professional basketball league. Right. Suddenly they like these, they see these rookies come in that look like Larry Johnson and Shaq. And it's like, it's now our time to retire. Incredible. And he was just this new size and so, new shape of NBA basketball players. And he dunked like Kemp. Yeah, man. Awesome. I was talking with uh, with BC Craw before, and he was saying that um, it was like in the cards that if it didn't work out with basketball, Larry Johnson wanted to be a boxer. And I was saying sure. to him, I was watching uh, in prep for this pod. I was watching a bunch of Larry Johnson highlight uh, reels on YouTube, which is you know obviously the best thing in the world. And when he was young, when he still had that really crazy athleticism, when Johnson, when Larry Johnson would dunk, his like cel- his like celebration move after a dunk would he would do that like um, speed bag thing where like boxers like hit the bag with a speed bag. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Those fun. Punches. Yeah, I know yeah, what you're fun, about. fun move, right? And Craw was yeah. telling me that if it didn't work out exactly, if it didn't work out with basketball, LJ's like plan B was to go into boxing, and it's well, sort of. It sort of clicked for me. First. Yeah, it sort of yeah. clicked for me. I was thinking, I was like, who does this guy resemble? Like, just his body type. It was like, Tyson. he looks like Mike Tyson. He looks Tyson. like Mike Tyson with, like, hops like Blake Griffin or Sean Kemp. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he kind of had a Charles Oakley body, too. Yeah. yeah um, fun thing. fact, this yeah. guy wasn't on the 94-95 Charlotte yeah, Hornets, yeah, yeah. but to me, he's one of my favorite Hornets of that era. Um, and his name was Kendall Gill. Oh, yeah. And Kendall baby. Gill <laughs> yes. retired from the NBA and then became a semi-pro boxer. Did he really? That's right. He and then he appeared on, I think it was either Spike TV or like FX uh, Pros versus yeah. Joes where he yeah. fought somebody. Yes. He boxed somebody. Yes. And I was like, I'll watch. Sure, Kendall Gill. Yeah, totally. So how would we okay. describe Larry Johnson's game on the court? For me, like the things I remember between, you know, early years with the Hornets and then later with the Knicks is like just brute physicality. So, you know, he Well, the was, first thing you have to say is there's yeah, two chapters. It's totally. Be, it's, before, it's pre-back injury and post-back injury. Totally. So let's focus, you know I mean? let's focus on the Hornet years first and then we can kind of address post Hornets with the Knicks, but like pre-back surgery, pre-herniated disc stuff, this guy was like above the rim. I mean, he was like, he was everything, you know, for maybe kids or whatever that listen to the pod that don't have the reference, anything that Blake Griffin could do early in his career, Mm -hmm. Larry Johnson could do, but like more physically and like Mm -hmm. more aggressively. So he's like Mm -hmm. above the rim. He's in the low block. He's, you know, he's a, he's a power forward shaped like a linebacker, shaped like Mike Tyson and he when he dunks the ball he is like rattling the rim he's an enforcer on defense he's offensive rebounding the ball and then he also yep. developed a really great set of hands he became a great passer um, mm. yeah I mean I think that was partly in you know like once his once the back issues started flaring up I think he sort of had to defer a little bit more and more to Alonzo Mourning but like he really became a deft passer um, but like early in his career, he was finishing alley oops and flying above the rim. That was that yeah. was Larry Johnson. Yeah, he was a highlight machine. I think a good kind of modern uh, equivalent is like a Blake Griffin type. Like, yeah. uh, but he also ha- he was just he just this was all new to like NBA fans to watch this. Totally. You know, it was like I'd say one of the closer equivalents we had was like the Showtime Lakers, but none of them like Michael Thompson. These guys weren't built like yeah. Him. You no, know, so dude. now we were seeing guys that were like, oh, this is what a power forward is going to be now. Yes. You know, like you like need built to like a tank. Slash. You need to be you built to be like a, a tank and fly. Right. Yeah. Yep. It was just something so, so new. Brute and I can just imagine, you know, there was a time. Uh, who was it? It was um, 
So it was in the USA basketball documentary uh, about the Dream Team. It's always on NBA TV. But there was a moment where uh, they talk about how the Dream Team, getting ready for the Olympics, they played against a team of college all-stars. And on the first yes. day, the college all-stars whooped them. And then the second day, they whooped the college all-stars. Right. Like everyone's seen that, so I won't get into the details. But there was such a fun moment where Larry Bird confesses to the camera. He's, he said after the game, he said, I saw a guy, this guy Chris Webber play. He was still on the college team. And he said, yeah. if that's the type of guy coming into the NBA, yeah. it's my turn to retire. I'm done. I know. It's I'm my, done. And I can just imagine Larry Johnson very much had that effect on guys who have been in the NBA for 14 years. And they're like, you want me to guard him? Right. No. No. Nope. That's a young man's game. Totally. That is a, you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. It <laughs> almost reminds me in the way that like pro athletes, you started hearing about NFL players the last year or two, hearing about them like training with MMA fighters. You know what I mean? Like sure. these guys like training with Jay Glazer or whatever it is. It's like, that's what Larry Johnson was. It was like, wait, this is not a basketball player. He's just on a basketball court, like wearing a jersey. But like he, he could fucking be a boxer. He could be a football player. This is crazy. Right. So October 6th, 1993, Michael Jordan retires and on that same day larry johnson signs a 12-year 84 million dollar contract at the time it was the biggest contract in nba history yeah um, so you know the hornets were sort of planting the flag larry johnson wins the rookie of the year his inaugural season uh with with, with the hornets and uh management signs him to a 12-year guaranteed contract imagine a pro athlete nowadays like getting a 12-year contract it's, it sounds like mind boggling yeah that's a bonilla we call those bonillas yeah yeah um so let's talk grandmama uh while while we're on the subject larry johnson i i don't think we can really talk about larry johnson without you know bringing up grandmama and the converse and sort of the the effect and impact that had on kids watching the nba growing up sure um, so let's start with just, you know, the basics. Let's talk Granny's costume. So uh, so this is a commercial campaign run by Converse. Um, uh, to make a long story short, so Converse had two big stars at the time. They had Larry Bird and they had Magic Johnson. And from what I read, the initial pitch when Larry Johnson was signed uh, out of UNLV with the Hornets, the initial pitch from Converse to Larry Johnson was, we're going to do this campaign where you're lying on a gurney and and uh, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson are going to be dressed up like surgeons, and they're going to have a scalpel. And the idea is they're basically like creating a Frankenstein kind of character who will be the perfect NBA player. And so Larry Johnson's like, yeah, sure, that sounds cool. I'll sign with you guys. I'll sign with Converse. They scrapped the, they scrapped the commercial campaign. I think it was because once um, Magic Johnson's HIV status came out, they they were like a little not so sure about the idea of like him being in a commercial, whatever, whatever. So yeah, acting as so. They kind of come up with a plan B. Plan B is we're going to dress up Larry Johnson like a granny and have her play one-on-one against all these other players. And, and, and the catch is granny, even though she looks like a granny, she's going to be an incredible basketball player. So um, that's, that's the two-second uh, pitch with Grandmama. But basically, let's, Correct. let's talk her costume here. Before we talk to her, yeah, sure. as, as we go into her costume, yeah. let me just say that Grandmama is the perfect character because a well we'll get into this but a she Larry Johnson like we just described was a public like destroyer on the court. Oh my god! He was feared. He would make men cower at his knees. Yes. He was stronger than you. Yes. And he would like and he was scary when he dunked exactly. on you. Exactly. 
So the funniest choice you could do was dress him up as a little old lady. As a little old lady who who do who does what on TV? She emasculates all these men, all these, all, you know, whether it was. Um, uh, Kevin Johnson, whether it was Larry Johnson, she would play. You know, Grandma would play Larry Johnson one on one. She took them all to the took them all to the rack and just destroyed them. So Granny, and they, yeah, and branding her Grandma and not like Grandma Larry. Yes, but Grandma Yes, that is so fun to say. Yes, and when dealing with branding, it has to be fun to say. Yes. where when you're not talking about a funny thing, at least the words you're saying make people laugh. Exactly. And if you just say, "Have you heard about Grandma now we're listening. Now, and it's personal, and it's fun. And does she have a gold tooth, maybe? Oh, you bet she has a gold tooth. So we have okay. Grandmama in a floral print dress. She has a yep. little bonnet hat. She's got uh, large pearls. She has horn-rimmed glasses. She's, of course, wearing the Converse high tops with uh, frilly yep. lace socks. Yep. Um, she has her, gold, uh, her trademark gold tooth. She has a, a set of a just gorgeous gray hair, uh, sort of flipped out on the sides. Uh, she has a floral pin, and then she, she's got some chunky earrings. I mean, she looks phenomenal. And of course, she's jacked. I mean, she's being played by Larry Johnson, so she's- Oh, for sure. 20-inch I mean, inch bicep. Yeah, she's just massive. So, um, yeah, I mean, super fun. We could talk about the different plots, the different themes of the commercials, but the basic oh, premise- look, we yeah. love. We love Grandmama. It's like, it was just like, it was one of these campaigns. It was also like when uh, It's Gotta Be the Shoes with Spike Lee and Jordan. It was like, there's some like seminal basketball shoe campaigns yes. that like just like stand the test of time and that you just like can never forget. I mean, and that was definitely yeah. one of the ones where it was just like, anytime a Grandmama commercial came on television, you, were watching. you stopped what you were doing. Yes. Period. Yeah. Period. Dude, yeah. So, yeah. so the basic premise. And then premise, he showed up yeah. and then he got crowned and then like, in the 90s, like, there was no, at least for me, like, pop culturally, yeah. TGIF was the apex of what mattered in the world. Unbelievable. And he rolls up on a Family Matters episode. Yes. And the episode where Eddie is supposed to be playing uh, in a two-on-two tournament with mm-hmm. Urkel. Mm-hmm. And then Eddie bails for a better basketball yep. player. Yep. Urkel's Urkel and Eddie dust. have a falling out. Yep. Yep. They Now Urkel is like, what am I supposed to do? I was supposed to play in this basketball tournament. I was relying on my good friend Eddie, who shows up. Grandmama and mm-hmm. Grandmama and mm-hmm. Urkel get the job done. So Estelle, Grandma Estelle hooks up Urkel with one of her friends from the Senior Citizen Center, Grandmama, right. and, right. and she walks in, she walks into the house, on, and it, you know, of course we know it's Grandmama, and they, you know, cut to, cut to Urkel and Grandmama on the courts, and they are wrecking. They are wrecking yes. at this tournament. Oh, yeah. And let me tell you, Eddie... And, and and Waldo and all those guys, they are feeling sorry. They are feeling sorry for ditching Urkel because oh, man. He, he wound they up went, with Grandmama. And yeah, I mean, they yeah, got they their butts kicked. In, yeah. They learned a lesson in 22 minutes. Yeah, of course they did. Um, and can we just say this? Because yes. we, we were texting before this episode. Yeah. And Grandmama is the precursor and the original Dude. OG yeah. Uncle Drew. They don't like like let's be real. I mean, like we can rattle rattle them off. Uncle Drew, whether it's Uncle Drew, whether it's Cliff Paul, uh, Little Penny's right up there. You know, Barkley had his famous "I'm not a role model" commercial. But I don't, you know, like Grandma Ma is it puts on a master class here. You know oh, what I mean? Just, like it's they, total time and place. It's yeah. like the NBA has never been bigger. Yes, and the commercial campaign has like 
turned into television shows. It's now yes. turning into movies. I mean, if and, Grandmama is and, around today, I mean, she gets the Uncle Drew treatment. You know what I mean? Like, look, Grandmama is, you know, at this point, she has a, her own Netflix series or whatever. You know look, what I mean? Look, I'll admit I'm a bad basketball fan because I still haven't seen Uncle Drew. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I'm hoping that the writers of Uncle Drew yeah. are savvy enough yeah. to find a way in to have a cameo by yes. Grandmama, yes. whether she is Uncle Drew's high school sweetheart Get her or involved. she shows up. Yes. Something, you just need to nod and say, we, we appreciate know. you. You got us here. We, we wouldn't be here without you. you. We, we stand would... on the shoulders of giant Thank grandmas. you. That's all I need. Um, yes. Yeah, so just a, a couple quick just a couple quick memories from these commercials. So we have Grandmama beating Larry Johnson one-on-one. We have Grandmama reading children's stories at school, reading children's uh, stories about Converse. Um, there was a Bill Lambeer commercial. Does this ring a bell, Bill? We have Bill Lambeer going through a police lineup of little old ladies. Someone has stolen his ball, and then there's a criminal lineup, and all of a sudden the camera pans, and it's and it's right on Grandmama. Um, Kevin Johnson swings by the gym, one commercial. Uh, he gets okay. trounced by Grandmama in a pickup game. We have Grandmama sure. at the hair salon bragging about beating Kevin Johnson. Then he shows up. We have the nursery Great. rhyme, Grandmama. Does this ring a bell? There was an old lady who lived in a shoe, a fresh little crib, you know, Brand spanking new. We have Grandmama in a pink Cadillac driving through the neighborhood. Granny was a legend. She was she was an absolute legend, and we were we were all better for having her in our lives. That's, I agree. That's well, Grandmama. Well said. Yeah, I agree. Well said. Okay, so that's LJ. That's Grandmama. So Larry Johnson wins Rookie of the Year in ninety one, ninety two. Then in nineteen ninety two, ninety three, the Charlotte Hornets draft number two overall, Alonzo Mourning, right behind Shaq. Um, the Hornets make their first ever playoff appearance in the history of the franchise and they advance to the second round. So let's, let's talk real quick about Zoe. Um, what, any, anything you remember about his demeanor on the courts, how he played the style of play, um, you know, much like Larry Johnson, there were kind of two chapters here. There's the Charlotte chapter and there's the post Charlotte chapter. You know, it's tough. I mean, just from like a not from like a critical standpoint, but yeah. just from like a big broad. What was I? Probably thirteen, twelve years old at this time. You know what Lonzo Morning was to me for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and I grew out of it. Mm-hmm. He was not Shaq. Exactly. Exactly. He was not Shaq. I was just saying so, this, man. Yeah. It's so like like that's how I'll remember him, and that's such a bummer to him because he did have an insane career. Unbelievable. But it just happened that he and Shaq. Both were so successful, but Shaq was more successful right. and more more brandable yes. and more ubiquitous. Well, Shaq and was putting. Shaq really wanted to be a celebrity, right? And he was a, ripping down backboards. He was making rap albums. He was making movies. He was ripping down backboards. He was very flashy and in your face. And he was the number right. one overall pick. And yeah. he, and and he was just bigger and heavier and just flashier. And that's Definitely. fine. That's not, like that's no, um, you know, that's not a knock on Alonzo Mourning. But but what happens also is people get lost in the shuffle a little bit. And I was saying this to a friend where I was like, you know, when I think about Larry Johnson and Alonzo Mourning, truthfully, Zoe can feel a little bit vanilla. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he can feel or, a little yeah. vanilla. Like he wasn't. Sure. He was not Grandmama. He was not the guy no. in the commercials. He wasn't nope. Muggsy Bogues. He was nope. just kind of a big, tall, competent, very good all-star center. But and when that's I, kind of and that's true, and that's also like such a bummer. Because such a like, bummer. 
it's like they don't have to, you don't have to be interesting you know what i mean but like truth. but it just ha- just so happened that like he came into the league on a like relatively new team yes that like was like had nothing but opportunity for you to like carve out your own personality yes. or carve out your own legend right or just like you had all this room and he just wasn't Shaq. But here's the and that's truth. Such a bummer. He was, I you know, like as I started digging into some of this research and looking into it, what you kind of remember with fresh eyes, when, you know, you, when you're not watching these highlights in real time as a 12 year old, but you're looking back at them critically on YouTube, you realize like the guy was in tense he was insanely intense he was a fiery competitor he was a madman dude he was all heart this was a guy this is a guy that could have i mean he famously brawled uh, with the Knicks when he was playing for the Miami Heat. But the truth is, as a Knicks fan, I hated his guts. But the truth is, oh, sure. he could have easily played for the Knicks with his style of play. He was a oh, psycho. Yeah. Dude, he was a psycho on the call, on the court. Sure. He, he was all sure. effort. He was the guy that was screaming at his teammates, screaming at himself, pounding his chest. <laughs> he would scowl at you. He would flex his muscles when he blocked your shot. He was a right. defense-first traditional back to the basket big and um you know he he eventually developed a really nice offensive game a jumper but he was a uh you know like a classic center came out of the georgetown hoyas lineage of great centers with ewing and matumbo right for sure um but he's a hall of famer oh yeah man alonzo morning was named to the all nba rookie team with Shaq. he averaged yeah, tw- 21 no, no. points, 10 rebounds, and three and a half blocks a game as a rookie. As right. a rookie. Right. Uh, Morning and Shaq were the first NBA rookies since David Robinson to average 20 and 10 in their rookie seasons. Yep. Um, and, you know, like we, we take for granted, or I certainly did, Alonzo quickly just slotted into this incredible class of centers in the 90s. You know, he produced right away. In 1992-93, he led his team as a rookie to the second round of the playoffs. This is a guy that was quickly in conversations with the likes of Hakeem Olajuwon, Shaq, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, Dikembe Mutombo. Later in the 90s, you had Tim Duncan, even guys like Arvita Sabonis, Vlade Divac, Rick Smith, Rick Smith, um, Moses Malone, Brad Darty, even even Bill Cartwright, Kevin Willis, Sean Bradley. These are guys that were good, competent players. And and Alonzo Mourning just as a rookie just slotted right in and he was like I'm going to average 20 and 10 immediately and take my team to the second round of the playoffs and yeah. you know, that's that's a that's a big thing so um did he get along with LJ Oh no so we're going to dive into this here um but two quick fun facts I have for you about Alonzo Morning that I learned one Alonzo Morning was 6 feet tall in 7th grade mm-hmm. two as a senior in high school, Alonzo Mourning averaged 25 points, 15 rebounds, and 12 blocks. He, 12 blocks is he, he led his team to like 57 straight wins over the course of two years in high school. Um, 12 blocks. So now let's talk a little bit about the relationship din- dynamic between Larry Johnson and Alonzo Mourning and kind of what happened here. So... Um, so Alonzo and Larry Johnson get to the second round of the playoffs in 92-93. In 93-94, Larry Johnson signs this massive contract extension and then immediately hurts his back. And Alonzo Mourning tears his calf muscle. So 93-94 is basically a wash. That, that's right. a lost season. They miss the playoffs. 
Now it's 1994-95, the year that I want to talk to you about, and it's basically a make-or-break year. The team does great. They go 50-32. They're the fourth seed in the East. Alonzo Mourning and Larry Johnson, they're both selected to the 1995 All-Star Game, right? They get to the first round of the playoffs. Um, but there's some bickering. There's some infighting. Larry Johnson starts wearing, uh, during, during the 92-93 season, Larry Johnson, this is, by the way, such a 90s thing. But when you won, the, when you won Rookie of the Year, you got Bill. You got a really sweet leather jacket that said okay. like Rookie of the Year on okay. it. So Larry John, listen, Larry Johnson would wear it around the practice facility and and sure. point to it at to Lonzo and be like, "Look, man, if you bust your butt, you can get yourself one of these." And of course, Love it. Lonzo was having none of it, you know, and he was pissed. And so and now, yeah. and and of course, Shaq is going to win Rookie of the Year. So Lonzo didn't get his leather jacket, and Larry Johnson's wearing his leather jacket around all the time. It's so, tough because you NBA players didn't make enough money to buy their own leather. Of jacket. course not. Of course no. not. So at, right. and then now at this point, Larry Johnson has received a twelve-year, eighty-four million dollar contract. It's a lot of jackets. So now, exactly. So now, um, the ninety-four, ninety-five season comes around. Lonzo wants his money. He's he's not getting paid. The team is slowly transitioning from Larry Johnson to to Alonzo Mourning. Uh, uh, Larry Johnson's having these back issues. Uh, Lonzo's becoming a bigger and bigger part of the team, and, and the offense is kind of running through him. So they both make the all-star team. They make the first round of the playoffs. They're the number four seed, and who do you think they face off against in the first round? It's the fifth-seeded Chicago Bulls. I've but heard of them. These were not just any old Chicago Bulls, Bill. These yes. were the Chicago Bulls with a recently unretired Michael Jordan. He had just come Correct. back out of retirement, just Correct. finished playing baseball a couple months earlier, and the Bulls beat the Hornets three games to one. It's a best-of-five series. They beat them three to one, and they lose by one point in game four. And that's basically it. That, then then they, they start breaking down the team in the offseason. That, that offseason, Alonzo and the Hornets, um, they get into a contract dispute. Um, according to the Hornets president at the time, Mourning was offered $111 million over 10 years. It would have been the richest contract in basketball, and, and it would have eclipsed Larry Johnson's deal. But Mourning declined it, and um, basically I think he wanted more money and just didn't feel like he was a big enough part of the team. So they traded him to the Miami Heat for Glenn Rice, Matt Geiger, Khalid Reeves, and the 1996 first-round pick. Smart to get Geiger in the deal. <laughs> you got to get Geiger. Anytime you can yep. get, anytime you can get a Geiger in that deal, you got to do it. You got to pull the trigger. Yeah, got to get a Geiger. Got to get I a Geiger. A, listen, I know a Geiger. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> nice. I got a Geiger. So um, so so we have now at this point, uh, 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 Alonzo Mourning has gone to the Heat. A year or two has passed. Uh, Larry Johnson has since been traded to the Knicks. Let's fast forward now. So. Pat Riley, because uh, the Larry Johnson Alonzo Mourning uh, dispute is gonna is gonna come to a full head here. Uh, Pat Riley's Knicks teams were good right throughout the '90s, but they were constantly losing in heartbreaking fashion to either to Jordan, to Olajuwon, to Reggie Miller. So Riley eventually wants more money and he wants more power, and the Knicks wouldn't give it to him. So he takes his he takes his act to to Miami. So Riley transfer trades for Alonzo Mourning. And they're quickly a playoff contender, right? They're squaring off with the Knicks every year, it seems like, 1997 through 2000. Now, 
Uh, fast forward to that infamous playoff series where Larry Johnson and Alonzo Mourning have the fight where Jeff, Jeff Van Gundy runs on the court and grabs yep. Alonzo's leg. It all traces back to Charlotte. It all Love traces it. back to Charlotte. Love it. So well yeah, done. man, it's just, Thank it's you just, for taking me on that ride. it's just never, it just never goes away. It's a beautiful thing. Great. Um, oh, that was- I watch the NBA like classics. I guess that means I'm old now, but I'm watching NBA classics on NBA TV and they just fought NBA players just fought. Like they would throw punches. They'd be separated. It it was more like hockey. No one had to go to the bench. Yeah. It was more like hockey. Yeah. 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 They would ball up their fists and swing. Yeah. Swing. They just fought. And it was fine. Yeah. Um, The other, the, the, the third cog on this team that we really need to talk about is Muggsy Bogues. Okay. Uh, this guy was the starting point guard for the Hornets. Five foot not three. Not a novelty player. Uh, not novelty. No. Let that be known. No. Five foot Got three. It. Muggsy Bogues uh, is in in the league. Is uh, five foot three in a league where the average height is six foot seven. He right. is the shortest player ever to play in the National Basketball Association. Oh, yeah, of course. I'm sure he was the smallest guy in every league he played in. So I looked into it. Muggsy got his name, his nickname. Uh, he and his friends growing up around Baltimore used to dunk on milk crates. And apparently his style of play, obviously, was just like kind of being super physical defensively. He was always mugging everyone, right? So he mm-hmm. hence adopted the name Muggsy Bogues. Good um, to know. Dude, he also had a string of incredible film and TV appearances, which I think we should talk about. He was in Space Jam. He was in a uh, now famous SNL sketch with Charles Barkley uh, on the uh, the Daily Affirmations with Stuart Smalley. Does this ring a bell? Correct. Yes. Oh, come on. Of course it does. Of course. Of course. I know who I'm You're good about. enough. You're smart yeah. enough. And gosh darn it, people, <laughs> people like, like it. People like it. Yeah. Enthusiasm. A uh, urinal scene, perhaps? Yes, a urinal yep. scene. So Larry okay. is in the, uh, yeah, Larry is using the bathroom. He's talking to a friend, and in walks Muggsy Bogues, and Larry can't help but uh, peer over at the urinal, glance at Muggsy Bogues, who freaks out, and Larry plays dead, and, you know, it's a whole thing. Um, he yep. was, Muggsy Bogues was an Eddie. He was in Space Jam. He also appeared on an episode of Hang Time where he spoke to the kids about the dangers of steroids. Just, if you go on Muggsy Bogues' IMDb page, yeah, it's is every loaded. credit, is every role, <laughs> is it himself? Himself? I himself, would assume himself? so. Got it. Yeah, okay. I, 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 I he's ever been cast as someone else. I would assume so. Yeah, I would Got assume it. That so. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Um, um, he is the, I don't know if you were going to get to this, but he is the all-time leader in minutes, in assists, in steals, in turnovers, in assists per 48. Dude is a Charlotte legend. Incredible. He's not just the shortest Incredible. guy in like, in the league's history, dude put up yeah. numbers for yeah. years. Special player, man. Uh, yeah. Just a different brand of basketball as well. I mean, you know, this goes back to our Larry Johnson conversation, even the Zoe stuff. I was watching a clip of the 1990, was it the, yeah, it was the 93 first round playoff series of the Hornets against the Boston Celtics. And there's, there's Muggsy Bogues pressing the point guard for the Celtics full court. Like in the middle of the game, just full court yeah. press, man. It was just a, a different, more physical style of play. I um, mean, if you're five foot three and you said the average uh, height is six foot seven, six, seven, that means that you have to make up for it in other ways. Dude, and yeah. that means pressing full court <sighs> and being faster and smaller and shiftier than anyone else on the court. You have to tenfold. And a- he did. After the pod, I'm going to send you a clip of him guarding Jordan. 
in that in that series that I mentioned where they lost to the Bulls. And it's like uh-huh. he D's up Michael Jordan. And he it's 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 really interesting. He's just like he presses right into him. He is like in his grill. Muggsy Related Bose. to that, um one of L- one of Larry Johnson's teammates at UNLV was Stacy Ogman. Yes. And Michael Jordan, I believe, was on record as saying that Stacy Ogman was the hardest cover in the league. He really? would shut he said that he he Whenever he had to face uh, Stacey Ogman, Stacey yes. Ogman would shut him down worse than other players. And I always like, and he also said the same thing about Mookie Blaylock. And I, whenever I watched those two players play, I was like, what makes you different? Yeah, man. Like I would try and understand, but like, what, a, what an honor. I mean, Jordan never admits that someone is good or I that, know. you know, <laughs> and so to it's say a, that. I mean, I, I, I certainly don't know, but if I had to guess, it has probably has something to do with the motor of those guys, right? They just are relentless because they're not going to be as good as Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? Like, so all they can do is just keep throwing stuff at him. Just like keep throwing, yeah. just throw the kitchen sink at him. Just keep throwing them different shit. And, and I uh, think also it's like, there has to be some sort of psychological difference where yes. it's like, they understand like, that's what made Jordan and like yeah. some of the greats, Kobe, like so important is that, psychologically they just knew how to best you yes. and uh, you have to assume that like if you're going to best them somehow you need to get in have like a and similar edge maybe that's what yeah, it was with Muggsy he no was like look I'm, I'm well. five foot three like there are no secrets here like right, uh, uh, right. like yeah I'm five foot three so let's go you know what I mean like right. let's see what you got um, right all right so let's transition from some of these Hornet players to off the court um, you want to talk Hugo the Hornet real quick here I, I do um, so Hugo the Hornet, I don't know if you knew this, but I, I just found this out, was designed by Muppeteer Jim Henson's daughter, Cheryl. Okay. <laughs> I mean, why get Jim Henson when you can get his daughter, Cheryl? Sure. And okay. let me tell you, she did a tremendous job because this is a first class, a first rate mascot. He is a uh, just a stellar hornet. He uh, big, giant, big bug eyes. He's got some long antennae. He's got the teal and the purple striped thorax or abdomen, whatever you call it. He's got a. Are big... we talking latex? Are we talking latex, Hugo? Uh, or is this like puffy or bigger, Hugo? Because um, I remember OG there are Hugo two. Yes. was like latex, Hugo. Yes. And for me, latex, so, Hugo is. Hugo. Everything else is like uh-huh. safer. Yes. Like more like this one won't catch on fire. So, he's so le- he, he'll be less inclined to jump off of a 50 yes. foot trampoline because he's wearing these dumb <laughs> helmets now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, yes. I want to talk about OG Hugo. Okay. So there's dunk contest Hugo. Right? Yes. That's there's, the only one that there, matters. Okay. Great. So let's talk about him and then we'll talk about the bug. So sure. let, let's just talk, let's, let's talk 1993 dunk contest. Uh, bug on the windshield. So okay. let's talk mechanics here. Um, yeah. So we have a Mod Rashad calling this event. He, we have a series of mascots. We have the mascot from the Indiana Pacers. We have the mascot from the Gorilla for this uh, Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just want. Can we just zoom out for one second? Sure. Just just to paint the landscape because people are probably younger than we are. But yeah. This was a time. This was like peak mascot. This right. was like when mascots actually mattered. Right. Like I know Benny the Bull sometimes shows up on your House of Highlights deeds yeah. and stuff, but like at this time, like mascots mattered and people took pride in them, and Absolutely. it was skill based. Yes. And if your mascot could do more crazy skills at this time in NBA's history, ninety four, ninety five, you were a cooler and better team. I and also, you branded your team. <laughs> yeah. I also and so think like Phoenix like, and Charlotte, uh-huh. they had. 
they had mascots that would have no problem exactly. jumping from the rafters yeah. tied to a bungee cord and try and throw their whole body through the rim. They were basically Reckless. daredevils. They were just yes. basically, it was just, they were daredevils that had basketballs. But what I so also totally... appreciate about this era of mascots was there was sort of an irreverence. You know what I mean? Like, the Phoenix, the Phoenix Suns mascot was a gorilla in like a white Phoenix Suns, uh, Suns warm up jacket. Warm up jacket. But sure. like, there's really no, as far as I know, there's no explanation as to like why he's a gorilla, or even like you know Hugo the Hugo the Hornet is in just like a like a teal latex situation. Yeah. Um, it's just, I, I love the irreverence. There's a lack of explanation about it that I'm all on board for. And oh, yet yeah. these guys were stuntmen. They were absolute yep. daredevils. So, so it makes sense that in 94, 95, during the all-star slam dunk contest, they yeah. would have a mascot slam dunk contest Absolutely. as well. Yeah. It just makes sense. So, so that the, brings us to the, the, year's the, 19, the, the year's 1993. We're at the, uh, all-star game slam dunk mascot slam dunk contest. Bug on the windshield is what this, uh, dunk will be always remembered as let's talk about some of the mechanics here so hugo uh, he starts off Ahmad Rashad is calling it hugo points at the glass backboard a la like babe ruth you know like he sure. just like points points deep he takes a long running jump he spring and he springs he, correct me if i'm wrong but it's a full court sprint yes yeah which seems excessive but then when you see what kind of force it requires, you're like, holy shit, I think I you understand. have to do that. Yeah. He, sprint, he takes a, a long, full-court running jump. He springs off a trampoline. Two-hand slams the ball home. And Doesn't then flip. he proceeds to flip upward into the sky and then sits on top of the rim, on top of the rim, takes a seat. He has his arms and his legs splayed open. Completely splayed open, just has a, he's taking a good old seat up there. He has his arms and legs splayed open across the glass backboard, a la a bug that has been splatted. And then, and then he just sits up there. He just admire, like, lets the crowd just like ooh and ah, and he's just basking in it. And then he flips backwards down onto the ground. It is unbelievable. Everyone listening to this pod right now needs to hop onto YouTube. Uh, search bug on a windshield, Hugo the Hornet. It's, I mean, you won't see anything like it. And that's just one of, I think, a ton of just great Hugo moments. I believe there's another Hugo moment where during the halftime show, Hugo, Mm -hmm. um, it was pretty iconic that Hugo would jump off a trampoline Mm -hmm. through a ring of fire (laughs) and then, and then dunk. And so he, this was a regular thing for him. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was like, it was, it was iconic. Yes. And he did it this one time. And actually in Charlotte, and I don't know if fire got like if anything fire spread. I don't think it was anything too bad, but some smoke yes. did start billowing up. Yes. And so they came out with fire extinguishers, but they sprayed the wrong. <laughs> they were the fire extinguishers had the uh-huh. wrong liquid in it. That's right. So it sprayed all of this bad liquid on the court, and this delayed the third quarter from happening for right. a very long That's time. Right. That's and this right. is it because mascots mattered to such a degree That's that right. things like this would happen. But so this was part of the reason casually you casually jumping through fire off yeah. of trampolines, and that was an afterthought. Just Hugo being Hugo. Yeah. And then it's just amazing. It's like you know the amazing. circus or the theater like this is what we come for you know like yes we want to see some basketball but i also want to see a latex bug jump through a hoop of fire and slam a ball home you know and i'll say this too yeah if you think that charles barkley has like just recently been funny on television quote unquote like this is Uh a new thing for him no he was calling that game or he was like he had a mic that game 
And he kept saying, if Hugo doesn't jump yes. through that ring of fire in the third quarter, he's, he's a, coward. a coward. Yeah, he's a coward. He's a coward. Wonderful. Just wonderful. We love it. Hugo has won uh, three other... No, he's a four-time winner of the NBA Mascot Slam Dunk Championship. He is a two-time winner of the NBA Best Mascot Award, uh, which was presented by NBA Inside Stuff. I mean, the guy's a legend. The guy's an absolute yeah. legend. Um, Bill, before I go, I can't believe uh, this is this has gone by so quickly. Are there any other you know reflections that you want to have about the Hornets, the teal, the jersey, the logo, any of the players? I mean, again, well, it, it was just a fun time to be a teal. Um, you know, it was a, it was a fun time to be an NBA fan that ninety four ninety five season. Yeah, it's well worn territory. You and I have discussed it on many other podcasts, right. but it really was the time of teal. Yeah, if you absolutely. were a new team, if you were a new team, you had to incorporate Carolina teal Panthers. Or let's silver. be teal. Yeah. I mean, if you were an old team and you needed a rebrand, you had to go teal. You Get some to teal go in there. Green. You needed <laughs> yes. a silver streak. Yes. It's like literally, you could just go on. It's across sports. Did it was, the Jaguars? Like did did the, yes, did the Jaguars ever? Teal. Yeah, they had some teal in there teal. at one point. Right. It's yeah. literally just the spirit. It's of the teal. spirit of teal. Yeah. I would go so far to say the Florida Panthers did too, but like yes. more on the nose, the Orlando Magic, the Charlotte Hornets. Um, yeah, oh, the, the Florida Marlins. The Florida Marlins. You know, the New I mean? Jersey Jet. The New Jersey Nets became teal. Yes. Like they went from their old school to their this new like teal. If like, you're if you're boring, if your fan base is a little down, if things have been a little Lake, lackluster sprinkle some teal in there it'll lively mm-hmm. you know just liven some things up don't be afraid to teal um, everybody went teal that year and it was yeah. just like it was a fascinating thing it was like a prereq it was like yeah. it was bold to have a primary color yeah um, but yeah. the charlotte hornets were like ahead of the curve yeah they went, absolutely they, they carried the teal flag into the night yeah uh dude i know you gotta go is there anything you want to plug before you hop off the phone uh anything you're working on you have a podcast called the no joke podcast that people can find on the Headgum network anything else yeah, uh, fans of basketball on uh, the seventeenth, we have an episode with Amir coming out. Amir oh. Blumenfeld, all about uh, LeBron James. Oh, fun! Uh, LeBron James in Los Angeles. That's recorded in the cams. So Great. Listen to that. Okay. Um, but yeah, check out No Trip. All right, Good awesome. Fun. Bill, thanks so much for hopping on the line. It's always awesome talking to you, and have lots of fun in Mexico. Okay. All right, man. All right, talk to you soon. All right, bye. bye. All right, that was the conversation with Billy Scafuri. Bill, thanks so much. I appreciate the talk. My name's Chris Wendelkin. This is On The Line. You can tweet at me at onthelinepod underscore pod. I'm on Instagram. You can always email me at onthelinepod at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Enjoy the NBA offseason, and I will talk to you guys next week.